This is Mary Celeste Bell. Welcome to the Blackberry Podcast, where we'll dive into stories and knowledge of the incredible people that are part of the Blackberry story. You'll hear from longtime friends, amazing visiting personalities, and our own inspired team members. Three Sisters AM executive chef Bonnie Moore started her kitchen career at an early age. On today's episode, Andy Chabot takes us through Bonnie's journey in the culinary industry and the series of events that led her to joining the BlackBerry team. They dive into prioritizing time for creativity, work-life balance, and the future of the industry. Hello, I'm Andy Chabot. We are continuing our chef interview series today with Bonnie Moore, the AM executive chef at Three Sisters at BlackBerry Mountain. Hi, Bonnie. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing great. So where'd you grow up? Um, I'm a Midwestern girl. Um, I moved to Tennessee from St. Louis. So my family's been all over Chicago and St. Louis and Kentucky, but uh, most of my time in St. Louis. Were you born in St. Louis? No, I was born in Chicago. I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. Go Cubs. Okay. Yeah. All right. So you spent most of your formative years in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um, were people in your family into food? It doesn't sound like a normal I Midwestern. I wouldn't say that, you know, we were uh, tipping the scales of, you know, huge feasts every night. I think um, my mom... <laughs> She won't like this, but, uh, you know, we had, like, the ground beef staple for, right? So, taco night. Yeah. Um, meatloaf night. Um, there was, like, some some uh, pastas with ground beef. Sure. And, yeah. and hamburgers. So, that was... <laughs> that sounds, that sounds <laughs> that was really Midwestern. No, I mean, <laughs> it, we, we did have, you know, good dinners. My grandma, um, you know, she, we would have chicken fingers at her house but she made chicken fingers you know so it was, oh, wow. we had we had some good had some. good stuff yeah so how'd you a lot of good church food get into the yeah i understand <laughs> so how did you get into uh the restaurant business that- um i think it was by accident to be honest with you uh i was looking for a job when i was you know freshman sophomore in high school um this chick that i used to ride horses with she was like um why don't you come be a hostess at the at the restaurant that I work at? Uh-huh. And um, and I and I did, and I lasted out front for a couple weeks, I think. Out front, I, yeah, in, in the mm-hmm. front of house, yeah. correct? Yeah. What what didn't you like or did you I think you know liked it? There was just I think I think something sent me in back. You know what I mean? I think it was like an accident or like something large. Something was they like, needed someone to cook. Right? No, something that said we didn't want. I didn't need to be out front. I see. You know what I mean? Like you when may you be feel a little that. too truthful with people. Sure. I think yeah. I spilled some stuff, you know. So it turns out that they needed a pizza cook. Oh, wow. Um, so this was at our, like, corner bar and grill okay. in St. Louis. And, uh, and I was super young, and I needed a milk crate to, like, stand up to get to the pizza ovens. Um, and I did that for that was the first splash. That was on, your first uh, mm-hmm. intro into the culinary Correct. world? Yes. So how long did you do that? For that restaurant, probably about uh, two years or so. And then I went on to another uh, neighborhood restaurant, probably a little more elevated menu. Um, Was that because you wanted to see something different or? I think I started liking it. it. Yeah. I think I started liking it and I think I started realizing that, um, you know, it's kind of like a little tribe that you move with to restaurants, right? And when you're in um, cities as small as St. Louis, 
you know, little restaurant brats in the kitchen, you know, everybody knows each other. So, uh, so it took me to a new restaurant. Um, and then I finally moved to, um, Annie Guns, which was a place that I spent probably the largest amount of time, um, during my career at, it's a great restaurant in St. Louis. I see. Um, what did you do there? I was a line cook. Oh man, yeah. they worked me. You know, I'm pretty sure <laughs> it was, you know, 85 hours a week. Um, you know, you get there at noon and you leave at two or three in the morning. Um, we're just, just super busy, you know, yeah. just really busy. Um, but it seems like you might have enjoyed that. I don't, people listening can't see this. They might hear it in your voice, mm-hmm. but you're smiling as you're talking oh, yeah. about well, this. Oh yeah, well some of my best friends, you know, I met yeah. my husband there. Oh really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tim was a bartender and, uh, and I was, I was the sous chef. Oh, okay. Yeah. We made trades at the end of the night. I, you know, there was a time in the restaurant industry where that kind of stuff was the norm, right? Yes. Like that kind of like, Hey, you know, give me the. A plate of food and mm-hmm. you go get you a drink. Sure, kind sure. Of, kind of a thing. <laughs> Looking for a cold one. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so you met your, your husband there. So you, how long were you there? Uh, well, the first time or the second time? Well, like, so the first time, um, before I went to school at the CIA, I worked at Annie Guns uh, okay. for about five years, five or six years. Um, I left as a lead line cook. I went to school. Um, the CIA the in CIA, Hyde Park? Uh-huh, in New York. And um, you know, I lived up in New York for a couple of years, even after school. Um, managed some bars and kind of played around in the front of the house bar for scene for a long time. So you were a bartender in... Hyde Park mm-hmm. or Poughkeepsie? Where where were you bartending? Uh, in not in Poughkeepsie, but in Hyde Park. Okay, it was called the Star Bar. It's been closed for a while now, but it was just a real. I'm not going to say dive bar. Sorry, Frank, but I mean it was definitely a. Um, Frank wanted it to be a dive bar. Frank's the owner. Yeah, I mean, Frank. I think we had higher hopes, you know. Understood. <laughs> Understood. Um, but you know, I learned how to change kegs real fast and make change, and you know, make. And that worked for you. A lot got of you got you through school. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when did you go to the CIA? The years? Do you know? Do you remember? <sighs> they were many years ago. <laughs> um, well, my kid's fifteen, so we're talking eighteen years ago. Eighteen years ago. Yeah. So this is twenty twenty one. So two thousand three ish. Yes. So yep, is when yep. you were there. Uh huh. Okay. And so then, you got an associate's degree in culinary yep. arts? I don't even think they had the bachelor's program. Or, or they were just young. starting to yeah. to roll it out. You yeah, know, yeah. I was like, what was that? Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So anything formative from the CIA? So, you, I mean, you had been a line cook for a few years. I had. What did you hope to get from the CIA? And what I do you think you I was you looking to, to move out of the area. You know, out of the mid, out of St. Louis. I was really excited about that. I was really excited about... Um, Maybe learning uh, or wondering if there was some things that I needed to learn, right? right? So I had been, you know, held up at these or stayed at these restaurants uh, for so long that um, I was kind of wondering what else was out there, you know? Um, and I thought that school might have been a really good way to okay. figure that out. And did you figure any of that out? Or was there like a, a moment? Well, I went back school? to Annie Guns right after school. <laughs> <laughs> you graduated. Um, yeah, you know, so, so I went back to my safe place, and I came back as a sous chef, and, um, you know, I, I learned a lot about management. Um, I learned a lot about, um, you know, just how to to run a kitchen as um, a person from the other side of the line. You know, um, I was just on the line every night, and so now I got a chance to really learn about costing and, uh, you know, people skills and, you know. Yeah. 
So how many, what kind of rest, so is, you said it's a little more upscale. How many covers were you doing there? What kind of food was it? Um, if we had everything from like slider burgers to uh, Japanese tuna from Honolulu. You oh, wow. know, we had tomahawks. It was, you know, it was a, a really eclectic menu. It's very large, but it appealed to a, a lot, lot of people. people. Yeah. And how many covers would you do, say, on a dinner service? Like 350. So pretty busy. 325, 350. They would wow. turn them. Got you. Mm-hmm. So Pe- you graduated. We'd feed people in the parking lot if we could. <laughs> so you graduated from the CIA. You went back there as a, a sous chef. Um, what next? I mean, you were enjoying being a sous chef, I assume. You're living That's in my Louis. best story, I think, of how I got to um, Blackberry Farm. So the owner of this great restaurant in St. Louis, um, you know, I'd worked for him for many years. Yeah. And, you know, I was, I had great success in that restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Tom, I think Tom Sainart, the owner of the restaurant, was trying to say, um, you know, thanks for all that you do. I'm going to send you and your new husband to this place called Blackberry Farm. Um, gosh, I like uh, Lucinda Williams was here that weekend. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was like a real rocking weekend. Yeah, I kind of remember like, that weekend. It was, yeah. it was pretty bitching. And, um, <laughs> We loved it, right? So yeah. Tim brought a whole car full of beer for Roy Milner because he wanted to share some St. Louis beer. This bromance started to blossom. Did, did they know the each other? No. To, uh, Tim just made like a, a email out okay. there to him and said, hey, meet me at the dairy barn because that's <laughs> where we were doing all the beer. Okay. Um, and so, you know, they really hit it off. Um, and that's really kind of what started the whole thing. And then, you know, as you do, you kind of look at the – you know, employment, and we were looking at the uh, the website and mm-hmm. saw that there was a sous chef position available in the main house kitchen um, for breakfast and for lunch. Uh, I was a little wary. I had never worked breakfast right. before or lunch for that matter, but lunch was close to dinner, so I think I felt good about pulling that off. But I was super scared about breakfast. Hmm. Um, You're scared about the menu or the hours? No, eggs are scary. Yeah. If you you know, I mean, to like pump out, I mean. Yeah, it could be. It can be. Yeah, scary, yeah, yeah, for sure. Hollandaise, but <laughs> no, I'm kidding. It, it, it all went well, and all came back to me. But um, the journey back was uh, was was very cool. The um, the interview with Josh Feathers was uh, crazy. He put in front of me a bus tub. Of like it a, was like, like a, a mystery basket episode. kind yes, of thing. Yes, I think he had so much fun with it too. It was like a rotten tomato. No, I'm <laughs> gonna say not a rotten, but it was definitely overripe. Um, some flat beer, um, a he, turkey egg. Is he trying to trick Who you? Who has ever seen a turkey egg before? In you know, I mean, plenty of people have. I myself had not. You know, I needed like a sledgehammer right. to get that thing open. So he, he was sort of trying to put some odd stuff in front of you. Absolutely, okay, he tried to you trip do? me up. What'd you do? What'd you make? Well, you remember? I did like an orangey beer sauce for a for a for a poussin. Yeah. Um, so I said a fried up in that there. turkey yeah. egg. You know, time was ticking. <laughs> you did something. Salsa, huh? I'm pretty sure was involved. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I think I, I think I made it. So so. Well, yeah, I mean, you got hired from from right? our we uh, come see Blackberry Farm visit to a moving truck in front of our house got was you. about two months. So, oh, wow. That was a pretty quick yeah. turnaround. And Tim got a job working so with Tim the brewery. So Tim got a job at the brewery. Mm-hmm. Okay. Brewing and you got a job as an AM sous, sous chef, chef. Uh-huh. working in the main house. Correct. Okay. So what year was that? Don't. Clearly, I'm not good at the years. Oh, my gosh. Well, I mean, I've been here for seven. 
total years. Yeah, I'm. I think on my seventh, about to go into my seventh year. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So mm-hmm. that that makes sense. So, um, so you're cooking, you know, breakfast. Um, then then what happened next? What was next in your progression here at Blackberry? Well, um, you know, for sous chef, I was a sous chef for a couple of years. It was really critical, I think, to learn Blackberry. You know, there's so much. Uh, there's so much going on here. I mean, I, I learn so much about it every day yeah. um, still. But, you know, as a, a person not from the area, and it certainly as a person that's never been part of this company, those, those first couple of years were um, much needed to learn about the culture yeah. and, you know, just the legacy of all the people that have been here and, you know, that really kind of keep it moving. What were some of the most surprising things that you learned or frustrating things? Or frustrating that, things? Yeah. Um, so I, well, I, I hate to start off negative. No, I'm not saying start off negative. I, I know Blackberry's well, no, no. a unique place. Right. You know, I've the, never worked in a hotel before. Okay. So, so you've I've only worked never, in standalone restaurants. Correct. Yeah. And, and it's a different animal, you know. Yeah. I mean, like, I wouldn't really want to have um, blueberries in the cooler in January. You know what I mean? If you didn't really right. have to. Because they're not seasonal and... Correct. You know, and I think you could apply that to a couple other things, but you just, you know, when you're doing like breakfast food and, you know, there's certain things that people um, expect expect in a restaurant and, you know. I see. And in a hotel in particular versus a standalone, you know, restaurant, Mm -hmm. what, what is the challenge there, I guess? You know, if you, I guess if you have a standalone breakfast restaurant, if it's on the menu, it's on the menu. If it's not, yeah, it's I feel not. like you kind of make your own rules a little bit more. Yeah, you know, or you, you know, we're here. Kind it's get kind away of... with that, but here, you know, everyone is here for every meal. You know, here on the mountain, I feed. If you're here for four days, I feed you for four days in a row. And I'm not saying that it's um, that it's a bad thing uh, to, you know have these things that people really enjoy, but they're not necessarily seasonal. I think it's nice to be able to, you know, yeah. give somebody, oh, you really like raspberries? I don't have them. We'll get them for you tomorrow. You right. know? So I think that it, I just hadn't got used to that yet. Sure. But now I am. Do you find that's more, you see that more at breakfast than maybe some of... I think people are very particular about their breakfast orders. Are they? Yeah. I've had people come in and ask me, you know, describe how their grandma makes their eggs. Oh, wow. And if I can recreate them. And I try. You, know? <laughs> you do your best. <laughs> they were nice enough to not tell me if I did or did not. Right. Um, but, you know, people are really particular about their about their breakfast orders. Yeah. So, and I guess you have to be something, a little bit of something for everybody because there aren't other options. Right. That, that's exactly. Part of it. And you'd never want anybody to come in and, you know, have a... a I'm very proud of our menu, but uh, maybe somebody just wants scrambled eggs. And I would never want anybody to feel like they can't get that or, you know, that they have to eat five-course meals every meal that they're here. You know, I think that breakfast can also be a chance for people to kind of be comfortable and, you know, really. Well, I think going back to what you said about eggs, I mean, it's sort of like people are very particular, I've Mm -hmm. noticed, about their their egg order and Uh if you got to get it right kind of thing. But seeing people... Be more focused on that than even how their steak is cooked. You know if that if that makes sense. Okay, so so you were sous chef for a couple of years. You're getting used to the culture, correct? Um, which is you know is unique. It's the yes is the answer mm-hmm. sort of um, you know culture here. Were there any moments where, you're, where you wonder just why do we do it this way? Why don't we do this kind of a thing? I think when you see the end results, 
that we get, I don't really question it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if there was something like horribly not <laughs> right or, you know what I mean? Yeah, if, yeah. If, if the end result was you had angry customers or, you know, then I would, but clearly. Would question that, yeah. Yeah, clearly we're doing something good. And I want to be part of that, you know? <laughs> <laughs> good point. Uh-huh. Good point. Two years there and then Josh Feathers uh, moved to Blackberry Mountain when it mm-hmm. was first opening. Correct. Um, and you got promoted at that point to the executive chef of the main house that's right so so i i moved up a little bit and um and i got to be the executive chef of the main house and i was there for about two years two years Mm -hmm. what was the big difference in your opinion going from sous chef to chef um you got to answer a lot more questions from a lot more people from a lot more people (laughs) absolutely and it's 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 very rewarding um you're pulled into a lot of different ways um or different directions sorry um, and you know, you've got a real sense of responsibility. Um, you know, there's not much into going on vacation without checking emails and you know what I mean? Yeah. Even if you're here or not here, you're here. Um, you know, I think that there's a, a also a big sense of pride that you feel that's different when you look at a menu or when you are just really proud of a full window full of food and you know, it's, you feel it a little deeper when, yeah. when you're the executive chef and you're responsible for it you know and it's also up to you to really inspire the people that are around you yeah as as their chef yeah. you know and nobody well, else can do that really for them that's a great point you know and i know that um you know talking to to you and talking to other people you know about you you're one of the most positive high energy people that i think most people know um and, and I think you that's really that interesting. Way, right? I mean that in a really good way. Uh, it, it's not what you, you know, that old school vision of a chef who's angry and throwing mm-hmm. pans and stuff like that. I mean, obviously that doesn't exist so much anymore. But yeah, this super friendly, um, outgoing. You know, what can I do for you? Attitude that that you have is is really refreshing as well. Um, and a lot of people have have mentioned it. But how do you maintain that? Or is that just who you've always been? Well. You know, thank you for that. That's really nice. Um, I think that uh, we're kind of all in this together, right? I and, think so. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, the end result is that getting the guests what they need and, and, and kind of putting your best foot forward. And that starts, I think, with the servers and, you know, with your cooks who are actually cooking it. So, um, you know, patience is – I don't know if it's a learned or if it's a character trait. I'm not sure. But, you know, I think that – it's a real trick to success. Yeah. Well, patience, even when things are moving very fast. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know, at the main house and, and now here at Black River Mountain, you were serving, you know, 100, 150 people twice a day, mm-hmm. you know, with a very short period of time. So to maintain that sort of patient, fun attitude through that is, uh, it's impressive. People have certainly, you know, brought it up to me. Um, okay, so after two years there, uh, then uh, you came to Black River Mountain. Uh, Josh and you sort of switched uh-huh. you know, positions. You came to Blackberry Mountain. He went uh, to the main house. Um, what what was that like? This, well, the view's a lot. I'm not going to say the view's bad down there, okay? But the right. view is, is You are sitting here right now pretty looking awesome. at Blackberry Pretty Farm. awesome. <laughs> I send a picture to my mom all the time. She's probably like, can we get a, a new angle or something? You know, Ooh, it's uh, foggy today. Um, but the... Uh, <laughs> You know, the switch here, um, the concepts are different, you know. So, you know, down there, there was 
um, things were laid out. Um, you know, biscuits and gravy wasn't going anywhere. The, you know, I mean, the fried chicken was a staple. Um, you know, things were laid out. I think you could certainly put your stamp on the menu down at the yeah, farm. Sure. Um, but he, up here, you know, I think that things um, were certainly still developing. Right. And, um, you know, I think that the vision for the, for the breakfast service changed a little yeah. bit you know from when we first started um and then we also made the change from having three sisters be the exclusive restaurant for breakfast um and so i think that that was a real challenge um and one that i'm pretty happy to still be working through and i feel like we're really yeah. getting somewhere um you know to to get to do this with this team you know when i first came up here um there was one dedicated breakfast cook sometimes too um and you know it was it was a stretch to be able to get breakfast done when we were only doing you know 40 or 50 people and now um because at that time you kind of alluded to this but the fire tower was open for breakfast and three sisters and you wouldn't know you wouldn't know who was going to show up where you know and it's hard to plan for that and um you know hard to kind of put the team through the paces of being busy um and so you know once that fire tower closed we knew exactly what we're going to have every single day uh we were efficient you know we're always working towards that but i think that it really helped us really figure out what we're going to do for the day nice yeah so you feel like that improved quality by having all of the guests absolutely come here okay 100 percent. what how would you describe the main differences between the food you were cooking at blackberry farm and the, the food that you're cooking now well, I think that, you know, here in the mountain, um, you know, we're an activity-focused resort, right? Yeah. So, uh, you know, I certainly want to offer all spectrums of the menu being, like, super indulgent and full of dairy and gluten. But then I also want to make sure that for people that are, you know, like racing off to go for a hike or to go, you know, run around, that they're not, you know that they feel good exactly i want to make sure that they feel good because you know we're we're all about these experiences here and if you just put somebody in their bedroom to you know take a nap afterwards um then they're not really walking away maybe the same experiences that they would have yeah so and i think that starts with breakfast for sure yeah i think a light breakfast Uh can you know make the day how have you seen that um you know, with those sort of light, in, inventive, you know, dishes you want to do, but I guess, you know, people still have breakfast desires. Mm-hmm. You know, is that, is, do you well, find that Well, the biscuits and gravy are on the menu up here. <laughs> uh, they, we've tried to take them off a couple times, yeah. and uh, they demanded it, so we gave in. Understood. And, uh, so, you know. Is it just because of, of where Blackberry Mountain is? You know, there's an expectation of, you know, um, I guess, quote, unquote, southern food? Sure, absolutely. Yeah. And we still have people, you know, that come up here and they request for, you know, they use that term specifically, southern food. Um, you know, so we do it. Got you. We still like it. But overtly, you wouldn't describe the food here as southern. No, I wouldn't. I mean, I would, I would probably put more emphasis on the ingredients that are grown in this area you know, which is the South, right? Um, you know, yeah, but yeah, I, yeah. I don't think that, um, you know, I don't, not that, that I don't really enjoy stewed collards and, right. but I don't know that there's a place for that on the menu here right now. Do you now. think that, that, 
I mean, how would you describe Southern food these days? You know, or, or is that a term that really applies to that stewed collard, fried things? I think when people say they want Southern, Southern food. food, I think that's what they mean. Um, or maybe I'm just wrong to assume that. But, uh, but when I, since I've moved here, what I think of Southern food now is really just more ingredient focused. Gotcha. So, you know, things that, um, you know, all the seasons of all the vegetables here, I think that that's really what I think of more is More produce-driven. Correct. Kind Mm -hmm. of, you know, cuisine. Right. So then the flavors here are different. You know, they're more, maybe I should say, um, less traditionally Southern. Mm Mm-hmm. And that is maybe the difference that I've I've seen in some of your food. Absolutely. So... What are you excited about right now in the world of food and wine? The world of food and wine. Um, well, I'm very excited to have, you know, a full restaurant. Yeah. Um, I'm very excited. You know, right now the Sycamore restaurant downstairs uh, opened in February. Um, it's hard to come up with. A concept I, I found it challenging to come up with a concept like that with only winter produce um, sure. you know so I'm really looking forward to you know applying all of the new flavors and the new concept to you know this the vegetables that we get here you know I'm really excited to come up with some some new stuff for that menu as far as this industry you know is concerned you know and there's something that I've noticed over the last maybe year and a half with um, you know, cultural changes and, and things along those lines. You know, there's less um, awards. There's less uh, notoriety. Maybe um, I, and I, you know, I question is the you know the age of the celebrity chef a thing of a thing of the past? Mm-hmm. At least as, as we had seen or we grew up with, or maybe even intrigued you enough to go to culinary school or, or something along those mm-hmm. lines. Um, what is the what would cause someone to want to get into this industry now what excites you about it that that you would like for them to know well what got me into the industry or kept me here um is really camaraderie yeah uh with with everybody on your team um you know i i I love food i feel like uh, i have a deep connection with it but what really gets me every day is all the people that i work with um and that's what um you know, I think can get you and can also hold you, you know. Yeah, and keep you to this, keep you, you know, engaged. Yes, to this this lifestyle that we've, um, you know, all chosen for ourselves. Which can be a hard, mm-hmm. you know, less out, but oh, a rewarding sure. one. For sure. But I think times are changing also, you know, with this pandemic. I think that it's really taught, while we didn't really close down very much, um, you know, I think it kind of made everyone wonder, you know, or think about, I do want to take a vacation sometimes, you know, and and I do deserve a Christmas off every once in a while. And, you know, I'm not going to miss my best friend's wedding because it's Saturday night. Exactly. You know, and, and, and I think that, you know, us as, as leaders, you know, I think it's okay to go that way too, you know, and and to accommodate those. So I think that's another trend also that we're really good trend. So how do you, how do you find balance? What do you do? To work-life balance. Work-life balance. Well, I did just go on a vacation. That was pretty nice. That was the first time I've gotten out of Knoxville in, you know, or Knox County in a year and a, a half. A bit, yeah. Uh-huh. It was crazy. Um, you know, this was the first time that I've worked in 
a.m. schedule. So I leave my house around 5.30 every morning, and I try to get home around 4.30. Um, so, you know, I'm lucky to be home for dinner every night. Um, working p.m., you know, it's a different beast. Uh, it's just opposite. You know, you learn to enjoy uh, coffee and a quick <laughs> lunch. And, you know, you can stay up until 2 or 3 in the morning, you know. Wow. Yeah. I used to anyway. I don't know used if to. kids still do. Yeah, they, they probably do, I think. What would you tell someone who's just getting into this industry, a cook? They, you know, they want to be a chef. They want to move up through the ranks. Um, what, what do you think is most important? Or what would you like to see more of, mm. maybe? I think that I would like to see... I mean, I, I guess that's a hard question because, you know, I'm really proud of, you know, of all of our team. So it's hard to think about what I would like to see in them. Um, I wish there was more time for uh, R&D, you know, for yeah. all of our team members in the kitchen. Um, you know, even the kids that are interns and they're curious about something or, you know, it's it's sous chefs or myself that you know have been wanting to get to this dish and mm -hmm. now the season's over and yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. and you've let the whole thing well, go do you think that's almost a common misconception that you know we're just back there magically back they're working on dishes and everyone's you know produce is coming in and you're it's just, just chef's doing it but, table but really, moment I mean, all the time yeah but the, the life is full of yeah, I mean, it's, Logistic it's management, well, when you're talking about anything. the numbers that we're doing, you know, it is just real, you know, it's not all pretty, uh, you know, all of these magical moments of, <laughs> of ideas and ideation. Right. Um, it's, it's also a lot of just working fast and, um, you know, putting your head down and working. Yeah. Um, so how do you find time to come up with a new dish and it's planned yeah. you know like um it's it's just a planned thing you well, know you've yeah. got to also think about it you know certainly you're thinking about stuff outside of work um you know you come into work with ideas i guess it is one thing that i would love to see just all young cooks cooks do would be to come in with ideas you know um things that they would want to mess around with Things I'd like to see. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know. And ask me, you know, like maybe it'd be something that I I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Huh. I do I do think it's interesting when you just said that that you know, you plan to have creative time. <laughs> you know, and I I It is ironic, isn't it? It is ironic because I I don't think that that is a natural it's hard to force creativity. Sure, sure. It's not a, well, you know, the creativity comes to you. You take notes. I try to. Yeah. I try to write it down. Um, and then when the opportunity presents itself, you know, then you have this beautiful organic moment by yourself on the back prep table. Right. And I'm sure that moment <laughs> involves making sure you have the ingredients that you thought about mm -hmm. and, you know, ordering things. For and, sure. I mean, just logistical yeah. management. Yeah, use my peaches. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. So uh -huh. That's a really interesting point, though, that I think um, I don't always, you know, consider is, is planning to have those creative times, you know, and with menus and ingredients constantly changing, mm -hmm. you have to sort of 
plan that, but also work service. Absolutely. Yeah. Right? Well, in breakfast and lunch, you know, you get about 45 minutes in between the last table and then the first table. So the last breakfast and then the first table for lunch. So it's a quick turnaround. Yeah. But, you know, I'm really lucky to be supported with um, some great sous chefs here. That's really, um, you know, and they're super creative themselves. Um, so it's a real, it's a real hug of support back there. Do you like the rise and fall of service you know i know it's something that i really enjoy you know the sort of getting over that oh absolutely that and, absolutely yeah uh-huh it's one of those things i think if i ever left this industry i would mm-hmm. i'd miss it's a little addictive for sure I yeah think. yeah yeah maybe i should add that to my list of why people should get into this industry <laughs> i'm not are sure are you an adrenaline junkie <laughs> <laughs> well there is something fun to it though i mean uh-huh. knowing that no matter what, it's going to end. You know, I mean, to me, that's sort of an interesting part about it, and that every day has a stop and a start. Sure, absolutely. You know, for you, it has two stops and two starts because mm-hmm. you have two big services that you have to do. What do you think uh, is the future of the industry? Where do you see food going? Oh, that's one of the big questions. It's a question, yeah. yeah. I mean, we uh-huh. see people now, you know, opening, changing their concepts, being vegetarian only, mm-hmm. vegan only. For sure, yeah, um, absolutely. Um, and I think I'm exposed to that a lot more, you know, being up here. Yeah. Uh, or I guess my, you know, all of my trending research, you know, is is along those lines also, you know, watching those restaurants and, and following those chefs and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I... I almost feel like the world of restaurants seems to be getting a little more casual. Yeah, you know? I see that. Um, and I don't, you know, I haven't gotten out very often. <laughs> well, there has been a pandemic um, for the last for year. For sure. Um, but, you know, it's, it's you know, we open up this restaurant, the Sycamore downstairs, and we're doing numbers. You know, I was here last summer. Yeah. Um, and we're doing triple the numbers that we were doing in the more in, formal correct in the more formal same time of the year hmm. you know dining room and i don't know if you know i'm not for sure if that's what the appeal is or you know now that we've changed venues altogether right. if that's it i'm not sure but i just kind of have a feeling that you know casual people might is... be craving a little cash yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. casual setting correct yeah the same quality of food you know the same essence of like dining experience but you know maybe just a little more dressed down a little bit yeah maybe i'm way off i don't know i I don't know you see it every day you know Mm -hmm. so thank you for listening to the blackberry podcast continue following the journey wherever you subscribe thank you to our guests interviewers and audience Dive into more stories, videos, photos, and podcast episodes on theblackberrymagazine.com. Make a great day.